dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this weekend and for allowing us um, to get together and to just learn from your word and um, to just focus on the things uh, that we can grow in <clears throat> and the ways that we can um, just better use the way that you have designed for us to be as women, God. Um, just thank you for everything that you've done in our lives and for the things that you've blessed us with. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay. So, uh, godly femininity. When I think of that, when I think of it, um, someone also asked me today, how many times are you going to say this word? Because it is a mouthful. So I'm going to do my very best to not trip over it. But when I think of, a, of godly femininity, I think of it as the very special and purposeful way God designed for us as women's, women in his creation. And it's crazy to me because it, I, was born, I was born in the 80s. So I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And if you would have told me when I was a little girl that when I was a older mom, if I would have to, some of the things that we deal with or things that were said this last year, I would have laughed at you. Like if when I was like a little girl and thinking about like growing up and whatever, if you would have told me that it would have been a huge controversy to say happy Mother's Day when I was in my 40s, I would have been like, why? You know, and that we would, we would have a, a big debate on birth, birthing persons versus Mother's Day. And um, it's, it's truly crazy to me that we're even here in this place that we're at right now. But when you look at it and you look over, over time, when you look into the Bible, the, the idea of women in, in who God created us to be has always been something that, that God was very intentional about. And so even though right now it may feel like the, the godly view of, of being a woman, of being feminine, is, is under attack, the one thing that I want us to always constantly go back to, and I know that we'll talk about this in every single class, is making sure that we are going back to what God's word has to say about it. I'm going to reference TikTok a lot in this lesson. I am an avid TikToker. And what I like about it is that you can curate it to be what you, what you like and what, you know, I know it can be, it can be used for bad, 100% so. Um, if you go look at mine, there's no dances on there. There's no, you know, whatever. It's a lot of like oh, exercises or here's a recipe or I'm on clean talk, I'm on book talk. Um, but one thing that I, I do follow a lot of is I follow some, a few women who use a lot of science to back up a lot of why we are the way we are and how it actually really coincides with the way that God designed us to be and the things that God calls us to be. And when, again, like I said, when you look at what we're dealing with right now, the, there is a, you know, like in any point in time in history, there's always been a pendulum swing. We all know that. You know, at one point in time, it was sit down, shut up, you know, barefoot and, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and, you know, whatever. Then there was, you know, different points in history. And right now, I feel like, and it's funny because it is so um, counterproductive. It really doesn't make any sense. On one end of the pendulum, we are really pushed with this overtly sexual view of being, what, what being a woman is a femininity. When you look at like what one of the most popular songs and videos of last year were, like the WAP song and some of these other things and these videos that I see, it is 
insane to me <laughs> that at any point in time we could ever, ever complain about being treated like pieces of meat. You know, I'm just like, so we're going to sit here on one side, be like, we are women, and you need to respect us, and we're more than that. P.S., here it all is. Like, and it didn't, it doesn't make any sense. And on one side, you have, like, only fans that are just, you know, you have these women on there like, I made $2 million in two days, you know, by by taking off my clothes and taking pictures and they're empowered and they're like brilliant feminists. And so that's being shoved down our throat on one side. And on the other side, you have the far, that like, no, there is no gender. You're not special. Anything that a man who was born to be a man can do, he can do just as good, if not better than you, you know? And I haven't 100% um, checked on the exact like specific, uh, I don't know, data on this, but I was reading and I was listening the other day about how in the Olympics, a man was able to compete as a woman before a breastfeeding mom was allowed to bring her baby to the Olympics with her. They did pass that eventually, because I guess enough breastfeeding moms were like, are you kidding me? You want me to go to another country with full mammary glands and leave this child at home and you want me to pump the whole time? But can come and compete in our sport. So, you know, it eventually to get past, but when you look at that, I'm like, that's, that's what God designed us to be. That should be second nature. Like, I have a baby, and I feed the baby, and the baby comes with me because I'm his or her mother, you know? And then you have this, like, well, gender isn't anything that's any special, and there should be, you know, it, um, Lee and I were talking today, I think it was, was, was us that we were talking about how um, this kid ran, said, like, oh, this random assignment that they just hand out to you when you're born. And we were like, a, a random assignment? Like, it wasn't like you were just born and they were like, girl, boy, you know. And, and it's truly sad to me that it has it's come to that, like, you know, that, that view of us is that either on one hand, it's just easy easy to be thrown away. There's, you know, this is what you're good for and you better capitalize on it and you better sell it and you better do what you can and you got to be cutthroat and you got to be angry and you got to hate all men or there ain't nothing special about you. You just plopped out of the womb and you probably were made wrong. And I'm going to speak to you as someone who did grow up very tomboyish and have had those moments of being like, Am I, would I be a better man? Would I, would I be better as a boy? I bet life would be better as a boy. You know, all those different thoughts. I'm not saying that there's not, you know, legitimate issues or legitimate questions and things like that. But, I, but a big part of it is because our culture does force these things down our throat. And I think that being a woman is really awesome. <laughs> I've come to that point in my life where I'm 40 years old and I'm finally comfortable with it, where I'm starting to understand the way God made me. I love women. I like the way they look. I like the way they smell. I like <laughs> the way we do things. I like the soft curves of a woman. Sorry if I'm making any of the guys like uncomfortable. But um, I think God made us exactly the way that God wanted to make us, you know, um, and so when, when we look at this, I just want you guys to know, because I know it's really hard to hear out there, that God made you, and he made you exactly the way that he wanted you to be. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some things that we need to work on to make sure that we're living up to that biblical standard of it, 
But I, first and foremost, need to make sure that my identity is in Christ. And however my femininity, it was designed to glorify God. So at every point we look at today, the thing I want you to ask yourself and the thing that I'm going to ask myself, and I have three children, the thing that I feel like I've tried to impress upon them is when I look at the things that make me me and the things that I do because of who God made me, is this in a way to glorify God the way that he designed it to be? Um, I have a 17-year-old son, and one of the biggest things that I talk to him about all the time is what is your motive behind what you're doing, what what you're doing? Because right now we're in a place of you can do that, and you can do this. And there, and even, I work in the campus ministry. I just had, um, sorry, I just got a choke on my own hair. Sorry. (laughs) This is why I wear a ponytail all the time. Um, I just got done running a couple kids' camps. And I'm going to high school camp next week. And man, let me tell you, this fight of what girls can and cannot do is incredible to me, especially within our church. The amount of fighting and the amount of issues that we have of, I can do this. Yep, you're right. You can do that. But I want us to ask ourselves is, am I glorifying God and what in the way God made me to be a woman? Um, the way I, like I said, as a mom, I asked my kiddos, are you feeding your ego? Am I feeding my ego versus forwarding God's purpose? So when I'm doing something, it may not be wrong, but what is my purpose? What's my intention behind it? When I find my identity in being a woman of God, is it to, is it to promote my own ego, to promote myself more, or is it for me to glorify God the way that God said that he designed us to be? In psychology today, they talk about what, what is, you know, the ego. It's the part of you that, it, that is engaged in self-justification. It has both the cognitive and motivational functions to justify the self. How I justify what I do and who I am. Versus in Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. Again, like I said, I want to reiterate, God designed you as a female exactly the way that he wanted you to be in order to be an image of him to the world. I did listen to some really good lessons um, in preparation for this, and um, there was one in particular that just, man, like all three of his points were really good, and I was like, yep, going based off of those. And uh, one of the things that he talked a lot about was just how how much of an importance God does put on on women you know in that sometimes too often we look at like what is my role right now and we think like oh well if I'm not a wife or I'm not a mother or whatever well then you know then I don't really maybe fit into those into that into that box but one thing that he said that is absolutely true is, is whatever phase you're at in your life right now you will not be there forever you know I feel like I'm starting to get to that place in my life where I look around and some of my friends are like, I gotta find a babysitter. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And I'm like, man, I have my kids so young. I'm 40 and I'm like, I don't know, I ain't got no kids tonight. What you guys wanna do? What you wanna go do? You wanna go there? Yeah, I can go there. My time is my time. Like, and I'm like, this is weird because I remember for so long being, my time wasn't my time. And my whole world was like, you know, mother henning, little, little chicks running around. And now I'm in a different phase in my life. So I'm having to find a different identity other than being a mom of little kids. And that, and that, I think, was a big wake-up call for me, is that, man, I, I really can't put all my identity in my children and being a mom 
Um, you know, we talk a lot about like moms who live vicariously through their children. Oh, I hate that. I hate it so much. Like so much to the point where like I refuse to let my children play the sports that I played because I was a f- I didn't want to be that parent that was like, you're going to be just like me and you're going to do the things that I never could do and you will bring glory to the family. And, you know, and, um, you know, the way I was raised basically. <laughs> and I see that happen so much and I see these kids and they're like, oh, I just, you know, like, you know, like, no, dad, it's your dream for me to play ba- basketball, you know? Like, I did hear a funny joke the other day. It was like, in, in like 20 years, I'd be like, no, dad, it was your dream for me to be an anime fan. I just want to play football. <laughs> and I'm like, that's true. <laughs> and I'm here for it. But, um, but in looking in the way that men, men and women were created, is, is that we're not in competition with one another, but we need to look at it as being, and, and being complementary to one another. You know, again, like I said, I, I love being a woman. I love women. I, I do not, I cannot stand man-hating because God created us both different. Yes, 100% different, but also very, very good and, ve- and very much so designed to live and work together in community, again, to glorify him. And one of the first characteristics that the Bible talks about with women is in Genesis 2, 18, 20 through 22. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is right for him. The man gave names to all the tame animals, to the birds in the sky, to the wild animals. But Adam did not find a helper that was right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to sleep very deeply. And while he was asleep, God removed one of the man's ribs. Then God closed up the man's skin at the place where he took the rib. The Lord God used the rib from the man to make a woman. And then he brought the woman to the man. So the very first thing that God says that he's going to create and is going to make is a helper. Now, again, like I said, I was listening to these different lessons, and every single man that got on there to talk was like, now, before you guys rush the stage and get mad at me for using the word helper, it's not a bad word. The connotation is not bad. And um, I personally never really saw it that way, but I, I do and I have seen a lot of pushback from that. So um, I just wanted to read a little something about that. It says, in English, the word help has a broad range of connotations. Help can refer to a simple, modest act, or it can refer to something much more vital and significant. An example of vital help is the assistance provided by doctors. In Hebrew, the word helper, used in Genesis 2, 18, and 20, is azer, and is always and only used in the Old Testament in context of vital, vitally important, powerful acts of rescue and support. The noun azer is used 21 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. Twice it is used in the context of the first woman. Three times it is used of people helping or failing to help in life-threatening situation. And 16 times it is used to ref- in reference to God as a helper. You know, and so when you look at that and, you, and you know, they were breaking it down more and more, that, that vital, that... Uh, what, what was the exact word? Uh, vitally impor- important and powerful acts of rescue. You know, when you look at that, it's, um, it is really true that for some reason, like I said, that we look at that word helper and you're like, eh. But when you think of like a doctor, like, you know, someone falls down. Oh, he's having a heart attack. We need some help. And a doctor comes up and is like, I can come and help him. We're like, are you kidding what a loser. How dare you come up here and help this guy? I like to lift weights, and there have been plenty of times where I've needed a spotter. You know, you get down, you get something that's a little too heavy, 
you, you get it down and you're in a bench. And there's been many times I'm like, help, 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 help. And I wouldn't, you know, and if somebody comes and picks that weight up off my chest and lifts it back up on, on the rig, I'm never like, what a week, what a loser. <laughs> I can't believe you. Like, I was over here doing all the heavy lifting, and then you came and lifted it off my chest. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but, you know, or like, you're so much lower than me, or whatever. We look at things like that, and we're like, yeah, you know, that, that, is, that is a vital, and it's important. And uh, one of the things that he was talking about, like, I was listening to the lesson where he was talking about women as helpers, is that... We, uh, we can either take it, like I said, another pendulum, one, one extreme or the other. We say, I am independent. One, I don't need help. Two, if you are dragging me down in any, any way or you don't 100%, you know, you're not here for this, then I'm going to cut you off. That's one thing that has really been pushed down our throat a lot. You know, if there's any weak people in your life, cut them out. Now, I'm not saying like toxic or incredibly emotionally abusive situations. And then on the other end is that codependent savior mentality where women come in and they're like, I must help you and I must nurture you and I must take you and I will make you grow and I will never let you go, you know? And that neither one is, is what it should be. But in the case that God talks about here where he talks about um, like as in a country with foreign aid, when like a country gets in trouble and another country comes along and says, here, we'll help you, we'll help you get out of this rut, and, you know, that's the foreign aid, the help. Now, if the country comes in and says, oh, look at you, you weak, pathetic place, you're ours now, then that becomes sometimes, you know, a dictatorship or whatever. It's controlling, which as women, we can be, I can be, I'll just speak for myself. I can be very much like, I can do it, and I can do it better than you, and I can just do it, just let me give it to me, just let me do it. Like, it's so hard to not allow that helper mentality to mean, I know how to do it and how to do it better than you, I will just do it, um, you know, whatever. Or, like I said, because I think often a lot of times because maybe we have gotten burnt or it hasn't seemed to work out that well or you feel like, oh, I've poured and poured and poured and I haven't really felt like I've gotten something in return, then we cannot see our role as being a helper, um, as something that's vital, especially, you know, in the family context. And, you know, a lot of you guys are college kids. And I don't want you to look at this and be like, oh, I'm living in an apartment with other girls or I'm living in a dorm room. This stuff doesn't apply to me. It 100% does apply to you. At any point in time, if you're in a small group, you are there to come along and to help someone become something closer to what God wants them to be, to be a part of that in that community, and that God specifically designed us to see, to see those things. Um, I have like an eye for turtles on a road. One time, we were driving down the road, and we were in two church vans, and one church van ran over a huge turtle, and it shot that t- turtle up at the windshield like... I would say a slingshot, but I'm sure there's a more powerful thing than that, but I'm not really good with that kind of stuff. It just shot it up and so powerful. And I, I'm not a big animal person at all. Like, I'm like, they're cool, but man, I see a turtle on the side of the road and I'm like, and I'm getting out and I'm going to chase it down and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to carry it over to the side. And I probably in the last two weeks have moved like five or six turtles. I brought one of them home. Her name is Annie and she's really cute and she's Lincoln's now. But, um... P.S. Get you someone to love you like Lincoln loves Annie. Because, but anyway, that's a different story for a different day. Um, but you know, when you look at that, you know, I think there is something that's inside of us that God has given us. That part that you see someone that's hurting, that you have that compassion, that you have that desire. You know, as a mom, you look at it and you're like, 
you know, oh, like, I, I hate to see somebody struggling or hurting. And, um, I know he broke it up into two different ways. Is that, you know, you have a little kid and they fall down and they hurt their knee. And you have two moms and they're both good moms. And one mom comes along and is like, oh, buddy, you hurt your knee. Come here. And they pick you up and they, you know, they coddle the little kid and they're like, let's take care of it. And, you know, it might be exactly what that kid needs at that time. Then you have another mom that comes along and is like, ah, oh, buddy, you okay? Brush it off. You're a big boy. You go out there and play. And how both of those things can actually be nurturing. Both of those sides can both be helping and can be compassionate. I tend to be a little bit more on the, the latter, where I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Like, if a bone ain't sticking out, we ain't leaving. You know, get back out there and play. But, you know, one of the things that they were, they were talking about and some of the things I listened to is you have to know the people. You have to know the situation, you know. And I think that is something that God, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm with my husband or when I'm with other men, you know, there's times where I have to be like, now's, now's not the time to walk it off, okay, bro? Now's not the time to walk it off. Now's the time to, like, pick them up and carry them and, you know, take care of them. And to have that, that idea that God designed us to help to help one another, to be there for each other. Like I said, all about living in community and about glorifying God. Um, so we're going to watch like this really, really short little clip, and I'm going to give a little bit of a preface of it. Okay, so I grew up as a pretty competitive athlete. So I follow a few, um, I don't know, a few Olympic, like TikTok, like channels or whatever, and a few different, you know, sports things or whatever. Um, and so I was <laughs> scrolling through, and I was watching, and so I was like, what a jerk. This guy's a jerk. These, this guy's trying to run. He's trying to win a race. And this guy is cheating. He's, like, hitting him, and he's trying to trip him up. And that guy's a jerk, and I cannot believe that. And, but for some reason, I was just drawn to continue to watch. Okay, so we're going to play it, and you guys can see. See how he's pushing him out of the way? <laughs> okay. He's not pushing him out of the way. He has a giant yellow shirt on that says guide. <laughs> and then I read the thing that it's the Paralympics and that guy's blind. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's it, Jess. <laughs> okay, so upon the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, <laughs> that man is tied to that other man. <laughs> He's helping him win in the Olympics, and then I'm crying. So when I, like I said, when I first watched this, I thought competition, right? I thought this guy is hit. Like, why are they that? Why are the lanes that close together? Like, who is officiating this? I don't know what it's called in track, um, but like, you know, who's the ump? Why are they not saying anything? We're just gonna record this, and we're just gonna put it on TikTok while that guy's trying to cheat. And then I, like I said, step back, looked at the giant yellow you know, shirt that says guide, figured out why the other guy had his eyes covered, felt like an idiot. And then I realized, dang, that guy is legit. That guy is running alongside him, helping him. I mean, I don't know if you saw like communicating the whole time. I'm like, that man is sprinting faster than if you put me on times three speed of my fastest sprint while he's talking to this guy and they're staying in sync with their arms. Like, none of us would ever watch that and be like, loser, <laughs> look at the guide. <laughs> he's such a weak helper. 
You know, but for some reason, when we read things like the Bible says, like, I will make a helper, we're like, Ugh. or I don't think we're necessarily like that, but I'm going to be honest with you. Our culture, our society says, how dare the Bible, how dare God say you guys, oh, that we're not as good as men. And I'm like, no, it says sometimes you got to swoop in and you got to save the day. Sometimes you got to run alongside and be like, no, you're not going the right way. Go this way, go that way. And when we look at it even with each other, how often we can look at other women in our lives and not see the blessing for what it is. To not see, I am running alongside, someone is running alongside me and I desperately need help. And they're there trying to help me. And I am, and I would have been like that guy, like, you know, like kicking him off, like leave me alone. Like, I don't need your help. And instead, that's not at all the way that God designed it to be. All right, so um, the second thing, oh no, did my phone die? Um, the second thing that, uh, that God designed us to be is a place of home. Again, like I said, this is not necessarily a, a house, but a place of home. Now, us being ones that take care of our, and like I said, I was talking to my husband, and I was like, oh, man, we were talking about, you know, he's a masculinity and feminine. He's like, Hannah, this is easy. You just go through Proverbs 31. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. We have never done a lesson on Proverbs 31 before. I should go through Proverbs 31. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I know. I know what you're saying, and I get it. And when I read that, and when we look at these things, yes, like hardworking, takes care of the things that she needs to take care of. You know, in no way, shape, or form am I diminishing at all that, that we do have a responsibility to not be lazy and again, everything goes back to how does this glorify God? Is this about me? If you're all about house and home because it makes you look good, if everything has to be perfect and pristine at all times and no one can come over and mess anything up, that doesn't glorify God either. If you have a home where people feel uncomfortable being in it because they're so worried that something might happen or something might get spilled and you're like, you know, whatever. And I have been guilty of that, you know, myself. And I don't have a perfect home by any means, but even still I'm like, you know, looking over like, oh God, the mess is gonna be left here after. I have a, like I said, I have a 17 year old son. It looks like a frat party happened into a room and his, his cell leaders will attest to that. Anyone who's ever, like he walks into a room and you leave and I'm like, how did 15 monster cans get in here? There's one of you and I never saw you leave. Like, how is it? And I, and I can be very, very frustrated with that. I can really be uneasy about those things. And then on the other end, like I said, some of you all, I'm just gonna be honest. Like I'm not, everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be in place, but nobody, but nobody would wanna come over and hang out and feel at home because we're lazy and we don't take care of the things that God's given us, and we don't do the basic things of keeping a home, a com you know, a place of comfort, a place of peace. More so, though, what, I, what we're talking about is more, more of our character of a place of home. Um, in Titus 2, 3 through 5, it says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the ways they live, not to be slanderers, addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Again, it goes back to what is, what is, my, what is my purpose? What is my motive? You know, um, 
you hear a lot about like, you know, like being hospitable and being, um, you know, keeping things, you know, uh, having a place of peace and um, comfort. And I'll be the first one to say that a lot of times my home is not a place of peace. I am like a bull in a, you know, in a china shop when I get home and I'm like, what the heck is happening here? And why does this look like this? And blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that's something that I've really had to repent of in that character trait. But when you look at some of these other things, like to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be kind, you know, it's, I've also often heard like the, you know, the, the, okay, sorry, I don't want to jump far too far ahead. But, you know, like even just like, it's not about the way, the way God designed your personality type. I 100% believe that you can be self-controlled and kind and pure and be the loud, boisterous life of the party. I also believe that you can be those things and you can be uh, someone who reaches out to people and loves people and makes people feel at home and be more quiet and be more soft-spoken. I also believe that you can 100% work on those things and you can grow and change. I know I say it every single time I ever speak anywhere is I am not the same woman that I was 20-something years ago. I was the most quiet, shy, insecure, unable to speak to anyone, unable to get a picture taken. You put a video camera, back then it was like a camcorder like this, um, in front of me, and it legit happened at one of my very first cross chats I went to, and they said, say something for, like, say two sentences of something to someone. And I started to cry, and I ran in the other room, and I made a total idiot out of myself, and all, you know, all those things. But I 100% do believe that even like our personality when I started to see purpose and when my husband was like, who wants to be around? Like, how you think you're going to be able to be anything in God's kingdom if you're always running around? Wait, crying? Like, and I was like, yeah, you're right. It does make people feel awkward. And then it's that self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm so insecure. Nobody likes me. And then no one likes you. And no one wants to be around you because you always put off those weird, insecure, anxious vibes that nobody likes you. So then people are like, all right, why should I bother? Because you're just going to act like crazy no matter what. You know, and there's all those things, that, that chaos. But God calls us, God calls us to be self-controlled, to be kind, to not talk, talk smack back to our husbands. It's really hard for me. When my husband says something, I just want to be the first one to be like, what you know. Um, they came back from the men's retreat, and I jokingly, they did a, what was it, what was their last, what was their thing? Kingdom Men. And my husband came back and said something joking. I said, what, you think you're the boss of me? And he was like, I actually am. I just did a whole thing. And I was like, yeah, that was wrong words. Like, I didn't mean it like that. Like, but, you know. And I think, it, like I said, in our culture, we are told, he's the boss of you. You don't got to listen to him. You don't listen to anybody. Like, and honestly, when I go back to it, I have to look and see, like, I, I need to listen to what God and I need to be a place of peace and a place of comfort. And I need, to, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of the things that I need to take care of. Um, so again, like I said, so there's this, this lady I follow on TikTok. Her name is Savvy. And I, I adore her. She's probably one of my favorite people ever. And she started off as a nobody. And now she, I think she, I looked the other day and she's like 300,000 followers. And she is the most plain Jane lady. She, uh, she, I think her, her hair is like super, super short, like almost, you know, cut. She's got, um, little gaps in her teeth. She's adorable. She wears big glasses. She's very, very down to earth. 
And it's crazy because they always keep trying to like, they always keep trying to cancel her. They keep getting rid of her. Um, she speaks a lot on, on politics. She speaks a lot on like biblical truths, things like that. But I mean, this woman just says it. She is like, she speaks the truth very unabashedly. However, she's so calm. She never gets hype. And I mean, and she, you know, when people are idiots, like the things they say back to her, the things they try to fight her with, the try, things they try to bait her with. And it was really funny because the other day, um, you know, like there were people that were like stitching it or duetting like her things and they were like, savvy got banned. And they were like, I could understand if I got banned because I'm the typical loud mouth, foul, like say my piece, blah, blah, blah. But not savvy. She's the sweetest, kindest, never said, you know, she never attacks people, but she, but when I watch her, I, I, I'm so just impressed. One, she makes her point to so many different people because she's not obnoxious and she's not rude and she's not self-righteous, but she just says it and it's, it's so true. And so when I was thinking about someone that I looked at that I'm like, man, that person really embodies this it's, I'm like, that's something I want to be more like. And she'll, she'll be very open and honest about her. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I'm famous right now. I'm like really, really shy. I don't like this attention, you know, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I think for a long time, I myself got confused. And I think a lot of us get confused. This idea of, I can't be self-controlled and be gentle. And I can't you know, and also speak truth. And, you know, it's got to be like one way or the other. And I do think it is a hard, it's a hard balance. It really is. I am not someone who has perfected this at all. There's times when I look back and I'm like, well, I didn't handle that right. Or I was, you know, I either cowered back because I thought that I should be more, you know, quiet and demure. Or there's times where I just said what I needed to, you know, I said it and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have self-control or kindness. But again, like I said, if you go back to, you know, what is, what is my purpose? Is it my self-protection? Is it for me to lash out? Is it for me to be right? Is it for, to prove that you're wrong? Is it, you know, like when I go home, one of the things I'm really trying to focus on is, is this a place that my children want to be? Is this a place that other people want to be around? Or when I come home, if I'm like tired and cranky and like I clean other people's houses all day long and then I come home and my house is trash. Like that literally is the words that come out of my mouth every single day when I come home from work. It's like, oh, I'm kidding me. And it's something that I really am trying to repent of and trying to be more of. It's just someone who, who brings a sense of comfort and brings a, and brings a place of home. Um, the third thing that I can be um, how God intended is beauty. In 1 Peter 3 through through 4, it says, it's not fancy hair, gold jewelry, or fine clothes that should make you beautiful. No, your beauty should come from within you. The beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit that will never be destroyed and is very precious to God. Um, like I said, I, I will be the last person here to be like, like, oh, outside don't matter at all. Like, it's just your inside, you know, whatever. Like I said, I love women. I love, I love to, when I see a pretty girl out, I'm like, oh my gosh, your hair is amazing. You're gorgeous. Like, your skin, can I, can I lick it? Like, can I, you know, pinch it, your cheeks? Like, um, I, I, I buy, like I said, I think that God gave us things and that it, if, 
I did not have enough time, and, and obviously we'd be here all day long if we just went through and looked at the verses on laziness, you know, or, you know, not, not taking care of the things that God's given us, not, not um, you know, taking care of the, the small investments so that he'll give us something more. I 100% believe that we should be disciplined and we should be self-controlled and we should take care of ourselves. And this is coming from someone who literally wears sweatpants and a sports bra and a ponytail every single day but when I'm in this building, pretty much. <laughs> like, um, you know, so there is this, like, two waging sides of it. But when we look at it, we, we definitely need to make sure that our focus is on our hearts, on the beauty of the way God designed our heart to be. You know, I, we look at it and we're like, well, I shouldn't be soft, and I shouldn't, like, you know, I shouldn't cry as much as I, you know, and I shouldn't feel as much as much, you know. Um, one of the things that my, oh gosh, like I said, I don't think I'm a feminist. I don't think whatever. But when my husband says, you're being such a girl to my boys, I don't know why, but that's the one thing that I'm like, and? Like, and? Like, why, why are you saying that? Like, it's an insult. You know, like, say, like, you're being emotionally, you know, erratic or you're you need to be in better control of your emotions or you're being too fearful don't say you're being such a girl like that hand that really ticks me off and again like i said i understand that some of those attributes i myself have earned <laughs> i have earned overly emotional i have earned moody at times but when we look at the way that god designed us and he says like your heart you know it should come within you uh, I'm going to be 100% real with you. Some of those beautiful women I know have some of the ugliest hearts. And it really makes me sad because I'm like, you know, that Tyra, we were all rooting for you. Like, it's true. Like, we look and we're like, you're gorgeous. And I want good things. I mean, like I said, I worked in campus ministry for 20 years. How many girls have come up and I'm like, everybody wanted this for you. Like, so, you're so lucky. You have all this. And you're just going to, like, throw it all away for this ugly heart to focus on these things that aren't important. And although, like I said, I have zero problem at all. Like, I don't like to wear makeup, but, if you, but I will sit there and watch someone do a makeup tutorial because I am so impressed at the artistry that comes inside of it. I love ball gowns. I will come to your wedding because I want to see you in that wedding dress because I love, freaking love wedding dresses. And I love to see women in them and all dolled up and everything. But on the other hand, if we are spending so, if you spend more time putting your makeup on than you do in God's word or listening to books that help you grow spiritually, you know, if you spend, if that's not me, mine is more time in the gym. And that's something I have to constantly check myself on. I better be in God's word as consistently as I, my butt is in the gym. Because I see this as something that is valuable that God gave me. I mean, my body is falling apart at the, like, bit by bit. Each, you know, we can go up every six inches, there's something broken or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to be fully, like, incapacitated by 50 if I don't take good care of this. But I also know that this is just as equally, not equally important, it is more important. And that's something I have to constantly ask myself is, at the end of the day, if I die... God isn't going to be like, did you hit goal weight, though, this year? Did you hit it? I mean, sure, I'm sure he'll be like, you were disciplined. That's, that's cool. But he does not care. 
I mean, and again, like I said, I am in no way, shape, or form condoning sin. And I think that there, we've also, like I said, we've won one way or the other. I grew up in the 90s where you had to literally be 98 pounds or you were like filleted as a fatty. And it, I mean, man, I'm so glad those days are over. Like you can say what you want about the Kardashians. I, yes, whatever. But there's a part of me that will be eternally grateful for the fact that we don't have to weigh 98 pounds at five foot six anymore. And that we are not all built like that. However, and like I said, it's like there's, there also is this swing. I was like talking to somebody today about how many people I see tell um, women who, don't, who have just been grossly negligent of what God has given them, how brave they are. And I'm like, no, like if you want to be confident in who God made you, Absolutely. You work with what you got. You be confident. I don't want everyone sitting around in the, like, I stayed out of way too many pictures because I didn't think I looked good enough. I hate that. I don't, I, that, that is ridiculous. It's, I'm, like I said, I'm glad in some ways we've shifted, but we also can shift too far to the other side where we glorify sin, and that's not okay either. But honestly, it all will come down to, again, what is my purpose? What is my motivation? Am I living for the God of me? Again, going to say this, but <laughs> if your Visco and your Instagram looks like it's one step away from an OnlyFans account, you're not using your beauty to glorify God. And I'm going to tell you guys, sometimes I am truly scared and sad by things that I see online. Like, holy smokes, you felt confident enough. And the, the thing is, is that I know that it's not rooted in confidence. No, it's not rooted in who the beauty that God designed you to be. I know that it's rooted in lies that Satan told you that that's what you're worth. And that's how you get validation. I'm not super, super, super secure about myself. I was telling Leah earlier, I know that I could go to the Winsville family pool right now in a string bikini, and if I'm not feeling real good, I'll have enough dudes out there that will give me enough, I don't know what you would call it, I don't want to call it compliments, I don't know, whatever, attention, that I could probably leave there for a little tiny bit and feel pretty darn good about myself. But again, at the end of the day, how does that glorify God? I see so many of you guys are so focused on, this, on that part of the beauty that you're missing everything that's right in front of you. I, I kind of miss the 90s where we couldn't see the pictures we took and you only got in a picture when your friends took it of you. I never, I didn't know that you could take a picture of your, we didn't know that. Am I the only one, right? In the 90s, we didn't know that that was a thing. I mean, and if you did, you got, God knew where it was going to end up. <laughs> but, like, I look at all these pictures of me and my friends from high school, and it's somebody else took that picture of me being involved with my friends. And sometimes I look at you guys, I'm like, You're, you missed that in, entire thing because you were having a photo shoot the whole time. And for Why? And that's not the way God, like I said, everything goes back to that, that community, that part that God designed us to be a part of. I also heard in that lesson that um, he said that one of the women in their church said, 
we're just hoping that we'll be lovely enough to be loved. And I didn't, I didn't really, I, okay, so I'm like, I clean houses, I'm listening. Like three or four times during this lesson, I just start crying out of nowhere. And I'm like, I hope nobody walks in behind me. I'm like going to be like <laughs> cleaning a floor crying. But there was that part where I'm like, how, it breaks my heart that so many of you guys think, am I lovely enough? Am I pretty enough that, to get someone to love me? Where in fact, God loves you. Jesus loves you. But not only that, there are so many other people who love you. And we don't give a crap what's on your face. Like I said, I like it. It looks good. I love dangly earrings. I like, you know, I love poofy, I'm like, I love poofy sleeve shirts. I probably have 17, 18 of them in my closet right now. I'm not saying there's anything bad about that, but get, my friends don't love me because of that. The people in my life, no one's going to say, man, I'm here. I went to heaven. I have a relationship with God. My life is totally different because, man, look at her fallible makeup. But for some reason, we put so much emphasis on that. We, we, we're not, um, we have believed so many of the lies that Satan tells us. And we're so entrapped in this place that we really do seek our validation by how many comments that we get. Or how many times people like something. Or, how, you know, how many DMs that we get based off of what we look like in these pictures. And it, it, truly, it truly does sadden me because there are so many of you that are on that end. And there's, like, there's people that have been in the shoes that where I'm in. Where you're like, well, I'm just, I'm just not that pretty. So I'm just going to stay in the background. I, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I have had some thoughts before. And I just wanted to share them with you about this. I literally have been like, I don't think anybody wants to take pictures with me. Because I'm not pretty enough. And I'll ruin their pictures so nobody asked me to be in pictures with them. So then I at all times avoid being in pictures with anybody. Is that not crazy? But it's real. It's a lie that Satan has told me. It's a way that Satan has worked into my head to, to tell, and it's a way for him to get me off track so that I'm not fulfilling God's purpose. I'm taking this beautiful thing that God gave me in femininity. Instead of using it in the right way, I'm trapped inside of this horrific lie that, that is getting me nowhere, is getting no one else anywhere. And then, like I said, on the other swing of things, there's the, we're being told like, well, there's nothing special about you. Like, don't even try, don't even bother, like, you know, whatever. And we have to find this, this, middle, this middle balance that overall, our heart should always be the utmost goal of our standard of beauty. There are times where I look and I'm like, yeah, this might be doing okay, but this right now is real ugly. And I have to give an honest assessment to myself about that. And I don't like it. Are there times where I am more concerned about taking care of the outside than I am the inside? Absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you guys. There have been times where I'm sitting there at church and literally during service being like, what am I going to eat afterwards? Because I don't want to be, and I don't want to ruin this, and I don't blah, 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 blah. And then I go to Omagui and eat three bags, bags of chips by myself. But so it's irrelevant. But <laughs> I look at it and I just, one, I want to save some of you guys from some of the places that I've been. But two, I want you to see and I want you to embrace that beauty that is there, that God has given you. 
So do I rely too completely on the beauty or do I just completely abandon it and act like it's nothing? Do I work? Do I work as much on, on the beauty of my heart, on the beauty of the person that I can be as I focus in on the, on the outside? And just making sure that we're embracing beauty, not vanity. That we have confidence in who God made us as women and that we're not narcissistic. And you can be narcissistic in, in many different ways, but ultimately it goes down to that ego and me being the center and me being, my, and me being God. And every single thing that trips us up and every single thing that our culture has so backwards right now says you should be at the top. You should please you. You should do what makes you happy. You should go for this. It should be all about you. And whenever I'm God, everything falls apart. All the people who are telling us that, lives are crap. <laughs> it is my favorite when Hollywood tells us how to do lives. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, my marriage is perfect, but I'm married for 22 years, and you're on number four. And you literally keep telling me how backwards purity culture is. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, there's never a time in my life when I'm like, man, I just wish I would have slept with more randos. I wish I could have just slept with more people who just didn't give a what about me and tossed me aside. No, I'm incredibly grateful for purity culture. I'm incredibly grateful for it. You know, so I think when we look at this, guys, just making sure that when we are getting our standard of femininity, when we're getting our standard of what it means to be a woman, that we are looking in God's word. And that we are not listening to any of those bozos out there. Because the world does not know what, what they're talking about. And in fact, Satan is right there. Spreading his lies, whispering in our ear. There's so many other things trying to pull us in every which way direction. So whenever you start to think about, you know, who I am and what I'm doing and what are my goals, I just want you guys to ask yourself those two questions. Does this thought process, does this thing that I'm focusing on, is this action that I want to take, is this direction that I'm going, can, is this a can, can I do it or can't I do it type thing? I want us to look at it through the lens of, does this help me as a woman of God glorify God? Does this further my purpose and who God made me to be? Or is this just simply feeding an ego that's eventually going to destroy me? Because like I said, I go through and I read this, this verse where he talks about, I specifically made male and female in my image exactly the way that I wanted them to be. And I read that and for some reason, it just, it gives me a lot of hope and it makes me grateful. And like I said, I'm super, super grateful now to be a woman. I see so many benefits of it that I didn't see when I was younger. I used to look at men and be like, not fair, so easy. And I'm telling you guys, I would, every period, every given birth, all that stuff, like there, there are things, you know, even the, like I said, the emotions, the feelings, the, you know, like my husband had like this list of things like why it's easy to be a man, 30 phone calls are over in 30 seconds. You never have, like the wedding is already planned for you. Uh, what was the other thing? There was like a few other things that I was like, well, I fit half those things. So I kind of feel weird right now. But, you know, I look at it and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like they got it so easy in some ways. But I wouldn't give up the relationship when the woman, 
I never know how to say this the right way without sounding gross. The girl on girl, the woman on woman relationships, my female relationships, I would not give those up for the world. And sometimes I look at the guys and I'm like, I feel bad for you because you don't know what it's like to have a girlfriend. And girlfriends are awesome and we're really cool and we have a great time and you may look at us like we're crazy when we're laughing and we're acting whatever, but, but I love it. And I'm so very grateful that God has put the women, women that he's put in my life to help me. And I just want to implore you all to just to look at that. Just to, when you leave here today to be like, I am very grateful for God making me exactly the way he, the, exactly the way he wanted me to be. So now I'm going to be the very best woman that's going to glorify God. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, again, thank you for allowing us to get together. Um, I'm going on like two and a half hours of sleep and really tired. And um, I know that it can be hard right now to just, to feel like where do we fit? Where do we belong? What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing to do? But God, I'm just, I am grateful that, that you made me a woman. I'm grateful for the women that you've put in my life. I'm grateful for the church and the community that you've given us. I'm grateful for the men that you've put in our lives, God. I'm grateful that you allow us to, to work, especially in the church, work together and not in competition, you know, but to complement one another, God. I'm grateful for family and marriage and children and extended family that we get through each other, God, because I know that for me, you know, kind of growing up without that, that relationship, I'm just super grateful for the women that you've put in my life who have shown me the invaluable importance of, of having you know, our, female, our female relationships, God. And I'm grateful for the older women that have set really good examples for us. And I'm grateful for the younger girls that are getting to learn how to do this your way. God, and I just, I, I beg and plead that they'll do it your way and not have to learn anything the hard way, God. And I'm just super grateful that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. Like, you, like your word says, when we were at our most unlovable, you still loved us. And that we don't have to be a certain level of lovely or a certain level of perfect or a certain level of anything that Satan may tell us that we need to be in order to be loved and used by you, God. Um, thank you for everything you've done, and thank you for a great weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.